is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law. Brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening and welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 on your AM uh, dial. It's 6pm on Tuesday the 27th of March and uh, your hosts on the show tonight are myself, Matt and Ed and uh, with Cutty assisting in the studio. And uh, tonight we're going to be uh, speaking to a couple of guests um, joining us for interviews um, about two very interesting topics. Uh, we're first uh, going to be speaking with uh, Sophie Lestrange, who's a member of the Melbourne Activist Legal Support Team, and uh, she's going to be telling us about um, a very concerning development, uh, which is um, a... Uh, well, it's 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 a purchase of a, a number of uh, fairly uh, concerning weapons uh, by the Victoria Police uh, for use by their operational response unit um, at um, at public order events. Uh, after speaking with Sophie, um, we'll be uh, speaking to uh, Cassandra uh, from the um, Boundless Plains uh, to share, or, sorry, Bounding Plains to share. Uh, action, which um, it was in support of refugees and migrants and Australia's uh, multiculturalism, um, and uh, we'll be getting an idea about the activities that that, that, that involved. Um, first, though, uh, we're um, going across to Sophie and um, get some uh, idea of what is going on, hopefully, uh, with um, a, a rollout of uh, new weaponry uh, that's been announced by police on the 22nd of March. Um, and uh, it's quite an interesting story, uh, especially following on from a number of other high-profile news reports in the um, in, 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 in uh, recent weeks about Victoria Police. Um, we've, we've had we've had uh, we've had um, uh, the, the resignation of Assistant Commissioner uh, Gurren, who was a um, the the, the uh, head uh, police officer in the the uh, complaints uh, review team being um, exposed for uh, making uh, making a, a series of uh, vile and racist comments uh, on, online under under several pseudonyms. Uh, we've had today um, an announcement by IBAC that its review of police uh, oversight, internal oversight and um, activities in relation to people seriously injured or killed whilst in police custody and uh, when uh, been dealing with police uh, has been uh, seriously lacking um, with... Uh, regular and um, frequent cases uh, where police had failed to show an understanding of conflicts of interest and uh, questions about the processes under which evidence has been gathered. So um, in a lot of those kind of stories, one might wonder why uh, it, it, there, there isn't some serious concerns about police being given uh, weapons that appear to have some serious risks for um, the public. And um, we're going to cross to Sophie uh, just now. Hello, Sophie, can you hear me? Hi, I can. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. So you're part of uh, Melbourne Activist Legal Support, um, and in fact, a few people in our uh, Dunboy Law team might also be involved in that. Um, would be um, could, could could you tell us a little bit about uh, about the organisation? 
Sure. So Melbourne Activist Legal Support is a volunteer-run and volunteer-organised group and we seek to provide people who choose to engage in public protest with legal assistance, legal information on their rights with police and their rights to engage in protest. We also often are requested and do attend protests um, in Melbourne to monitor interactions between police and protesters, uh, making note and making media releases about what we've witnessed, as well as seeking to link people up with any legal assistance that they require if they have had any negative interactions with police there. Fantastic. Um, and uh, so... Uh came to my attention in, in recent days was uh, the uh, article that has been posted on the uh, Activist Legal Support uh, Facebook page uh, outlining uh, concerns about a new armoury that the Victoria Police has uh, purchased uh, with a large amount of taxpayer money um, for the purposes apparently of uh, improving the management of uh, high-risk public order incidents um, and uh, the quote that really stands out to me is uh, the Chief Commissioner saying quote we need the community to be with us on this um, so can you tell us a little bit about this Sophie? Yeah sure so um, there was the media release by Victoria Police earlier in the week uh, stating that they're going to be given and spending an initial $7.6 million and then $35 million over the coming five years to increase the weaponry at their disposal for their public order response team. Um, if you've read the article, either what we've posted or any of the newspaper articles about the media release itself, it's quite an extensive range of new weaponry that they're, that they're, that they're going to be purchasing and seeking to deploy in the streets. I think the, the reason that the police have stated explicitly that they require the community to be with them on this is that they they realise that what they're what they're arming themselves with are disproportionate to to the incidents that we see happening in the streets and they're trying to jump the gun um, to in, to protect themselves from future potential liabilities, criminal and otherwise. Well yeah, I'm must say I'm looking at a copy of the article right now and I assume a picture uh, because it would have been hard to, to fake this, of a police officer in full right gear uh, with with uh, shoulder pads and a helmet and a, what looks like a, a, an AR-15 assault rifle. I assume it's a, some kind of paintball semi-automatic uh, rifle um, system standing in what looks like a, a suburban backyard. Mm. Um, it's I mean, it's quite terrifying. I, I'm not sure that their public relations is going to um, get them across the line in obtaining the public support that they're looking for. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the weapons? It, it's, it's quite terrifying. Yeah, sure. Um, just a, a brief overview of, um, of the main ones. Uh, so what you're talking about, just there was that photo was of a pepper ball firearm. And what that does is it releases blunt force pellets or it releases die markers, which essentially brands someone for, for arrest later that day. Uh, what, what these weapons have been used in the other countries, we've seen people have been blinded by them, they've been maimed by them, they've been permanently injured. And in Paraguay... Um, a 25-year-old protester was actually killed by the use of one of these pepper ball firearms. Yeah, um, it's it, it, very very scary stuff, and I, I understand that there's footage um, from protests in 
in America, in Portland, so we don't mm. want to see, uh, you know, the kind of uh, approach to policing at public demonstrations that they have yeah. in the US. And, and um, you can see people being fired upon by this weapon at recent demonstrations there, possibly Black Lives Matter, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, and in, in addition to that, there's a um, there's apparently a grenade, uh, a, a, a stinger grenade that, um, yeah. that the, the, the police are going to have access to as well. Um, that, that, that have you um, have got much information about that? Yeah, so they're going to be having um, two two new grenades. The first one being a stinger grenade, which essentially, when deployed either from below or above, will explode and release waist-high rubber pellets. And this is essentially what we, we assume will be used in, um, you know, getting forcing people to comply through pain, distracting people or disorientating a crowd. Um, the other grenade that they'll be uh, purchasing is a flash and noise grenade. This has been typically used most recently in the Israel and Palestine conflict where people have had their eardrums burst. Uh, it's created, it's maimed children and it's created dangerous fear and panic in the protest group. And with both those grenades, uh, as well as with the Pepwell firearm, but the grenades especially, what we see they use generally resulting in is turning a protest from whatever level it was into a much more heightened state of of fear, of anger, of of people re- mm. reacting to those grenades in in ways that they might not have reacted had they not been deployed. That's a really interesting point, I guess, um, and it seems to fly in the face of the uh, language that's used to describe these weapons, um, crowd control, uh, crowd control measures. Uh, it, it sounds as though um, the, when you consider the evidence that uh, it, it does anything but uh, control crowds and, and, and in fact makes, uh, you know, uh, un, un, unstable situations far more mm. far more dangerous uh, and, and likely that people will be injured and, and the peace uh, will be, uh, you know, uh, breached in, in a much more serious way. Um, is that... Uh, you've um, uh, done, done a bit of uh, legal observing and attended some demonstrations. Have you, have you seen this firsthand? Well, look, you know, when we look at the use of these weapons in other countries, such as the US or Israel, Palestine or Paraguay, uh, I mean, you look at those videos and even in those situations, a lot of the use of these weapons is highly disproportionate to the the actions of the protesters. And then when you when you conflate, when you bring that into comparison with the protests that are happening in Australia, it's completely out of line. Uh, even in in protests that we've attended as Melbourne Activist Legal Support. Most of the the charged and conflict-heavy protests have been those that are between far-right groups um, clashing with anti-racism campaigners. Uh, You know, and the Milo Yiannopoulos uh, protest in Kensington late last year was a great, uh, you know, well, bad, but a great demonstration of how the police could have chosen to defuse the situation an hour and a half earlier um, by moving on, people yelling out um, racial vilification. But instead, they waited until until the last minute and inflame the situation further by then hurting people with their right gear, shields and capsicum spray. Yeah. And and for people who um might not be aware, this was the um this was a, a an event where um the, the right wing populist uh Milo Yiannopoulos came to Australia for on a speaking tour. Um, and chose uh, quite provocatively a, a venue um, across the road from a very high density uh, community housing in Flemington. Uh, you know, containing people, uh, a, a highly diverse, uh, you know, multicultural community, uh, many refugees, uh, and this 
event drew huge, uh, well, large numbers of, uh, uh, concerningly large numbers of uh, right-wing uh, sympathetic people uh, and, and brought them into close contact with a community that's you know, directly threatened by those ideas. Uh, I heard a um, number of accounts of how uh, things occurred on that night and it is, it's, it's quite alarming and, and, to be honest, terrifying to think of what uh, might have been the case if police had had even more uh, significant weapons, mm. such as the ones we're looking at here, um, to, uh, to, you know, uh, at their disposal. And that's completely right. I mean, we've seen time and time again police misusing capsicum spray, uh, misusing it against their own guidelines. And so it, it's highly concerning when you can't even see them using deploying capsicum spray within their own framework about putting having trust in them to not deploy these weaponry that can actually fatally kill, fatally harm people. Yeah. And, and look, um, I think... Um, you know, we, we're talking about events. We're talking about uh, you know protests between uh, well, the most recently seen uh, these events with um, far right uh, rallies uh, or, or you know far right agitators t- attending demonstrations. I think they even made their way down to Palm, Palm Sunday, Sunday to give people a hard time just just in, in days gone past. Um, but these kind of weapons. Uh, are not just used in in those contexts. It, is is um, activist legal support aware of uh, you know the, the the way these weapons are being used more regularly by police in all sorts of situations? Yeah, but we're 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 aware that they're using them in in prisons as well as at protests and in basically in responding to other um, what they deem as public order response issues such as children's parties spilling out into the streets. Um, you know, it's it's very. It is really concerning. I mean, you know, obviously Melbourne Activist Legal Support, we are more con- we're more focused on the protest area types of things. But, in, but it's going to have a widespread effect on, you know, on basically any public order response issue. Mm. Um, and what we, you know, we have a charter protected right in Victoria to engage in peaceful protest. You know, communities rally together and protest when they're feeling marginalised, disempowered and disenfranchised and $35 million dollars you know, could go a long way if it was redirected back into those communities to, you know, tackle the root causes of these, of marginalisation and inequality, rather than rather than fueling, um, fueling violence on the street. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting point um, that, uh, you know, the, the resources that are being poured into, um, you know, militarising police, policing. Um, mm. what, what can we, is there, is there any suggestions, does Activist Legal Report have any suggestions for how to, how to deal with this? Uh, look, at the moment, the Victoria Police is, is asking the community to get on board and be with them, and we're asking people to to educate themselves and educate those around them and clearly say that we're not with them, um, that we, as a community, as a Victorian community, we don't consent to this militarisation of our police force, and this dehumanising and distancing between ourselves and the police force, um, and to, to really work together to... To stand up against, you know, our streets becoming war zones. Because when you bring when you bring militia into the streets, you're creating a war zone, and none of us want that. Yeah. So we're asking people to, to to read the articles, to educate themselves about them. If you've got social media, to spread it around with the hashtag "Not With You," and hopefully, you know, we'll send a strong message that we will be fighting against this, and we will be taking up. Um, you know, personal injury claims if they do arise from the use of these weapons. That's fantastic. Look, thanks so much, uh, Sophie, for joining us on the show. And um, and please, uh, people out there, check out the hashtag NotWithYou uh, 
and um, the, uh, the the Facebook page, Melbourne Activist Legal Support. We're going to cross now to Cassandra Cohen, um, who's going to talk to us about uh, Bounding Planes to Share, uh, the um, support action for uh, refugees, migrants and multiculturalism in Australia. Hi, Cassandra, are you there? I'm there. How are you going? Great. Thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, we, we, um, we, we've uh, heard about your amazing action, uh, which I understand has finished quite recently. Please tell us about uh, what you and uh, and uh, ja- Jackson, was it? Can, can you hear me there? Hello? Yeah, okay. yep. So we finished about... Yep, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. So, so tell us, what did you do? It's, I think it's a bad line. Um, so we finished about three weeks ago. Um, so the project was called Founding Place to Share. Um, so basically, Jackson and I ran from Cooktown, which is north of Cairns in North Queensland, all the way to Melbourne, which is about 4,000 k. And um, so we did it in 100 days, which was 89 days of running and 11 rest days. And every day that we ran, we shared the story of someone who came to Australia as a refugee or migrant and had settled in the area that we were running through that day. So we really just wanted to celebrate Joe's Multicultural Diversity and um, meet heaps of different people in all the different towns we went through, and it was a great experience. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited that we finished. That's incredible. So, Cassie, you basically ran a marathon each day that you ran, is that correct? Yeah, well, we actually averaged 45 days a day, which is slightly longer than a marathon. Um, so it was a pretty long way, and I'd never actually run a marathon, um, a full marathon, until we started. So I didn't really know if I was going to make it or not. Um, Jackson had done a lot more um, endurance things before, so he, uh, I, I was pretty sure he'd make it, but I wasn't sure if I would. So it was um, pretty um, it was a good boost for the confidence to get to the finish line and know that that's something that we're capable of, and I, it made me think that... Um, there are, you know, I think a lot of people would be capable of that if they just gave it a go, but obviously not many people want to. <laughs> well, um, you must be very fit um, by now. Um, so just before you said that for every day that you ran, uh, you shared the story of someone who arrived in this country as a migrant or a refugee um, on social media. Um, can you share uh, some of those stories with our listeners on uh, on, on the air? Sure. Um <laughs> It's hard. It's like choosing one of your favourite children sort of thing because we shared 100 stories over the course of the journey. So um, and everyone had such a unique um, story to share. And we thought that there'd be some crossover or there'd be people who like, had a similar background, but everyone had such a unique story. Um, I think one that stood out, um, or one that comes to mind, is um, a young man called Bashir who um, lives in Canberra now. But he was from he's from Afghanistan and he's the Hazara, um, which is the really marginalised um, community in Afghanistan. And when he was fourteen, um, both of his parents actually were killed in the war. And um, without any family, he made the decision to flee Afghanistan by himself. So he was only fourteen, and he got to Australia, and um, basically had to fend for himself and um, he was so determined to get an incre- like an education and get himself out of what could have been a really, what was a really bad situation. 
and incredibly he um, studied so hard that he got into commerce at ANU in Canberra and um, now he's doing all these um, internships at big banks and um, he's really, like, and he's promoting, he's, um, he's letting everyone know about what refugees are capable of and um, how much they can contribute to society and I was really inspired because I, I just thought, when I was 14, I, I can't imagine raising myself or looking after myself and having this sense of study hard enough to um, to get into a course without any kind of support. And he did that, and I was really impressed. Um, Cassie, uh you, I understand the project of the race funds for um, the Asylum Seeker uh, Resource Centre. Can you um, tell us how much you raised uh, for, for the centre? Yeah, so it was kind of, it was interestingly, it was actually a secondary goal. So the main focus was on sharing the stories because um, what we kind of said was no amount of money could actually change the way that people, um, people see refugees. And that was kind of our campaign that, doesn't really matter how much money raised, but it's about um, changing changing perceptions, which you can do without money. Um, but we did also really um, support. Well, we were known as well by the work of the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, and a lot of people wanted to donate. They, they just said they wanted to be part of it. And what, how could they donate? So, um, yeah, we ended up raising thirteen thousand dollars for the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, um, and they. Yeah, and at the end of it, we were amazed by their work, and they um, they actually took us around the um, the centre because that's where we finished, and um, they showed us all of the awesome pro- programs they're running. So they run a legal service, and they have a food bank. Um, so people who are from asylum seeker backgrounds and um, aren't allowed to work and aren't allowed to study have been um, able to come in there and collect food and make sure that they're um, basically kept alive um, because it's really tough for people um, on such low incomes, basically. Um, so there were so many amazing parts of the Asante Resource Centre and Con, who's the CEO there, showed us around and, um, yeah, we're hoping to keep in touch with them and see what else we can do to help. Well, thanks, Cassie, for um, coming on the show to share uh, your um your project, a story of your project, and also this uh, Bashir story with us. Um, for those who uh, want to donate to Asylum Res- uh, Seeker Resource Centre, you can go to asrc.org.au um, or call uh, 1-300-MY-ASRC. Um, and for those who are, who are interested in our last, uh, the first topic that we discussed today about the riot gear, um, you can go to the website, uh, Melbourne Activist legalsupport.org um, for more information there. Um, thank you, Cassie. Um, we've now run out of time for Done By Law 3CR 855am. Uh, and next up on the channel, we have uh, got voices from West Papua. See you next week, Tuesday at 6pm for another edition of Done By Law.